Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I am very excited today because when I started doing this podcast pre-pandemic, I would do about one or two a month. And then as soon as this pandemic hit, I, I had to kick it up and I was doing, started uh, overdoing about eight a, eight a week and that was too much. I, I just couldn't come up with things to talk about. So I, I dialed it back to about four a week. And basically what the point was, there was nobody working uh, back in March, April, May, June. So I had to do everything I could to keep conversations happening, trying to keep uh, morale up and uh, just keep keep, pe- keep people aware of where everybody was and, uh, and how they're doing. And now uh, I'm starting to see some rays of sunshine at the, at the end of the tunnel here. I'm actually starting to see people working uh, I, I get really excited when I get an email back saying, hey, I'd love to be a guest on your podcast, but I'm working and, and I, I can't do it. And I, that's always the best reason to not do a podcast. Today, I'm, I'm especially through the roof because today is the first day I get to talk to somebody who is actually on show site in quite a while. Uh, he was he was kind enough to carve out an hour to sit and chat with me and and share some of the stories with my whole audience. So uh, everybody, please welcome Chris Gratton. He is a, a longtime legend in, in the industry. Uh, he's a production manager with so many. I'm not even going to take time to list it. Uh, you can uh, easily reach out to Chris at any time. I will I'll leave a link to his LinkedIn so you can reach out. But thank you so much for carving out an hour for me today, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I scroll through my Facebook stuff fairly often, and I don't see your name pop up too often because, because you're busy. It's the same thing as like at LDI. The, the, the busiest people are rarely at, at LDI because they're, they're out gigging. And right. uh, today, no exception. You're out gigging right in the middle of everything going on. I, uh, yes. I'm really looking forward to hearing some stories from the trenches. Great. Yeah, we've, um, we've been working with Justin quite a bit. Just before COVID kicked in, we were about eight days from moving from Los Angeles out to Lidditz um, to load in at Tate and Rock Lidditz. And like everybody else, we didn't. We closed our doors and everybody went home to figure out what the hell was going on. We were the last ones to leave center staging um, rehearsal studios here in L.A. And um, we thought it would just be a few weeks and everybody would be back to normal. And then here we sit almost a year from now. And that certainly is not the case. Um, we have been fortunate enough that Justin kept pushing through and we took a few months off at the beginning. But. We've been very active since the beginning of September. Um, so it's been, it's been good. Hard, wow. but good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot my myself and my entire audience, I think we all feel for that. We all thought it was going to be two weeks to flatten the curve. And then it became one right. month to flatten the curve. And then next thing you right. know, 
we're it's, all uh, eating through our uh, three month safety net. Yeah, it's been nuts. I almost lost my house. You know, we didn't, nobody had anything for six months. Everything went down. We all started jumping on, you know, helping roadies out, did a food drive in December, musically fed, did, you know, the We Make Events everybody did with the Light It Up. Everybody was really involved in that. Um, did a lot of stuff with the Roadie Clinic, which is a phenomenal organization that was pre-COVID, so they didn't react to COVID. They've just worked through it and continue to and growing immensely. Um, so we're doing a lot of good stuff like that. But Justin, we came back in September. They called and said they wanted to do Saturday Night Live when Saturday Night Live was allowed to have an audience back. And that really got his, um, his him inspired again. So we started working and we've been steadily chugging along since. Um, so ve feeling very blessed about that. Um, but it's been tough because you want to hire everybody. You want to bring everybody in. Like we're doing this one show, we're doing this one show. It's like, and you want to bring the entire team back, but because of all the COVID stuff, it's been hard. And, you know, honestly, everybody on inside this bubble at the moment are all from LA except two band members and two crew members. Everybody else is LA based. Yeah, that's got to be tough because you know that you there's so many people sitting at home, but you just can't have enough. You can't have all the people on the show site. So not right. only do you have to only bring back a few people, but you also have to ask those people to do double duty. Yeah, it's it's been like in the trenches with an A-list artist. You know, it's when we do shows, um, you know, we did a massive New Year's show that we can get into at some point that was incredible. And I had a ton of people working on that. At one point, we had like 90 people on site. Um, but besides that, we've been really doing small shows or TV shows, a lot of one-offs, um, just things off the beaten path um, as he drops singles. But yeah, it's, it's brutal not to have everybody back. But the cool thing is, is when we're doing these things, sounds helping, lights, lights helping, video, backline guys doing everything. It's it's all hands on deck all the time and talk, you know, in the bubble, everybody has to stay there. Everybody has to stay strong. It's go to the studio, go home. You know, we don't go out. No one's going out. And, you know, since September 1st, we've only had four people get COVID, which is great. We were fortunate enough that only three of those, three of those were quite easy. One of them was hard, but she recovered. Um, but it's very strict and uh, lots of rules. Wow. You know, knock on wood, four cases is uh, as tragic as it is. I mean, that's, that's a great, that's a great percentage there. I mean, it, your track record is uh, proven that you guys can take these safety precautions and we can, if we stick together, we can make this happen. That's the whole point. Everybody has to stay together and actually see what it is. Um, one of the bigger award shows that we did earlier this year didn't take it seriously we had to stand up and make them do it to a point where we cleared the building and retested everybody that had to be in the building the way that we were doing our bubble to keep everybody safe in order to keep us working and we finally did and they listened and we did it was very successful and nobody got sick coming out of that so but it is about everybody working together oh man that's got to be really tough because you have to be able to you basically have to have all the facts and all the evidence behind you. Like, no, you're not doing this the way it needs to be done for us to make this successful. There's a lot of eyes on us right now. And if, if we mess up even one step, they're going to come down on us hard. Yeah. It, it, and, and it is hard. And it starts at the top. If Justin didn't 
believe in this the way he does and has been as protective and allowed us to run the COVID compliance the way he's allowed us to, it would never happen. You know, most artists or some artists would not have your back as a crew saying, no, we're not going in that building, boss, because it's unsafe and we don't want you to get sick either. You know, he's got Lyme's disease. If he gets sick, it's a whole another layer for him. And he's supported us. Management's been phenomenal. The band's been phenomenal. The dancers have been great. And we've really stuck by our guns and we haven't, you know, we've made some enemies, but we've protected this because we want to prove that you can be working right now. You just have to throw protocols and be safe about it. Um, and he's really had my back the entire time and it's made my job a lot better. That's great to hear. Uh, I don't want you to put any words in his mouth, but as far as I can recall, Justin was on board with the safety precautions long before the current pandemic. He was, he's always been very aware of his health and his safety. hundred percent. And, you know, we, we, him and I talk about it every day. Quite frankly, we have a, a meeting every morning um, in the studio five days a week. Monday through Friday, we generally work six days a week in the studio, but uh, we have our group meetings, which is everybody's working. There's a core 25 of us. So sound, backline, the band, small amount of production in our COVID team. And we sit every morning uh, without fail for at least an hour and talk about life and what we can do to make this better and how we can make work through COVID and keep our families eating and help as many people as possible and stay on top of the COVID curve because there's no federal rules. There's no regional rules. Everything's, you know, a thought or do it this way. And CDC looks at it one way. LA County looks at it one way. The surrounding counties look at it other ways. And we finally get so fed up. You know, I got my CCO paperwork. So do a lot of our employees. And so there's a lot of COVID officers around, but I have one, directly Candace who just does that for us but what we decided is we start figuring out what was the best way to do it listening to everybody and we keep ahead of that you know um, besides Viacom I think we're doing some of the best you know prevention there is that's awesome it sounds like you went and listened to some experts and some professionals on the topic as opposed to listening to the uh the Facebook comments and the, and the Twitter comments, it sounds like you guys really actually took the steps to educate yourselves and the, the entire crew. Yeah, we do. We study it every day. Um, we get updates from CDC in the County every day before coming to work and look at it because it's continually changing. And we just, you know, we try to make decisions, listen to science and the doctors and what we see in reality, because we're seeing people when we go to these other award shows and TV shows and, we see them rehearse for it and some people are doing it right and others aren't. I'm not saying that we're doing it perfectly, but our numbers are doing good. I don't think there's really a per perfect way to do this. It is a virus. <laughs> it is airborne, you know, and we are roadies. We're not doctors. Yeah. But listening and watching, you can really see what's happening. And um, we take it very seriously. We push through, we test six days a week um, on the rapid test and we test a minimum of one PCR, the long form, um, deeper test once a week. Um, wow. Yeah. And since we're doing these shows, we'd be able to push off some of these costs on the shows to make it affordable and be able to keep this going the way we have been. Cool. So Chris, you've been in the industry for about 30 years. You have had everything under the sun tossed at you. And you've had to be able to adapt, change, stand up, and, and kind of compromise whenever necessary. 
is this just another complication in the in the in the life of a touring production manager or is this like is this actual a new surprise is this something that has actually like thrown you for a loop i think it threw us all for a loop at first and i was very angry at first and you know i spoke on the topic on abc nightline all these other things and it literally just kept hitting a wall nobody was helping nobody really i mean not to be negative but no one's has stood up for us. We have a bunch of good groups going on. You know, Matt Doty and his team are doing great stuff. Susan, Susie is doing great stuff with Backline. Roadie Clinic's doing great stuff. Music like Fed's doing good. There's a lot, you know, uh, what uh, Yeti's doing, what the Nomads in San Diego are doing. There's so much great stuff that we're doing internally and helping right. each other out. But there's been very little help from outside the industry. Or, you know, we go out and do all these festivals and fundraisers for people when there's problems with AIDS or earthquakes or hurricanes, you know, Charlie and the gang of roadies and all the stuff and shit we've done for everybody over the years. Nobody's helped us, you know, so we've really had to take it on ourselves um, and, you know, do the best we can with that. And I'm, I'm glad that there are roadies helping roadies because nobody else is helping us. That is a, that's a very poignant point there that uh, when, when shit hits the fan, we're the first ones to charge in and help out and raise awareness and tell the story and uh, the fundraisers, the, the, the parties, yeah. the, uh, the inaugurations, the, you yeah. know, all the major world events that require entertainment or just, you know, production. We're the yeah. first ones in there. And 100%. man, do we, we've, we've been so we've done it for so long that we're really, really bad at asking for help. <laughs> when, when we do ask for help we don't even really know how to do it we, we don't we have don't a lobbying allow. arm yeah and our egos don't allow it you know what i mean our egos say we're here to help everybody we're here to spread music everybody in the music business does music because they love it and they love to take people away from their lives like i still get butterflies every night i still get my hands i'm 52 years old my palms sweat every time before the lights go out it's like and every roadie I know and everybody has the same passion. We don't just do this because whatever, it's a great job. We help many people. We do everything we can and we got to be in shorts and t-shirts and hang out and make really good money and, you know, have fun doing it. But we haven't had that support. So back to your original question, is this a big change? Is just another challenge? I think it's just another challenge. It's part of our life. I think we're all here on planet Earth during this time for a reason. I think everybody's here is strong enough to work through it and do the best. And I think we're here for a reason. Um, so we're going to, we're roadies. We're going to roadie through this no matter what. You know, it's just, it's going on a little longer than we thought. I mean, everybody saved for a rainy day, but no one saved for a rainy year. I know I sure as fucked in it. No, no, that's, it's definitely pushing me to my limits too. So one of the things that uh, impressed me the most is like looking at your resume, you've done a little bit of everything. You've done a little bit of rock and roll. You've done a little bit of theater, a little bit of everything. Do you have to change your approach to each tour based on, on the artist and, and the vibe of each tour? I think everything starts with the artist, to be honest, it, you know, everything starts at the top. So do I adjust? Yeah. I adjust when I come in, you know, to see what the artists or management team or what the vibe is and what's going on and their attitudes. I mean, the music world has changed so much since I started. I kind of overlap, you know, the original generation and where we're at now. So we've had so many changes that it's, 
You know, yeah, there's a certain amount of adjustment. I mean, certainly, as you said, as you can see, I mean, there's a difference between a rock tour, a pop tour, a hip hop tour, a kids tour, you know, and there's mass differences between doing clubs and theater, which are my two favorite tours and stadiums and arenas. You know, I think there's there are mass different ways to approach it, especially with us who we're a team, no matter what. I don't care if I got 200 guys on the road or 15. I'm one of those all hands on deck. I don't want to hear about I'm that superstar roadie and I only come in at one in the afternoon, then go away. <laughs> go work together. Not welcome here. Way to do it. Yeah, it's just not. It's like to me, there's enough subdivision in the world that like we we need to be stronger. Do I rely on my crew chiefs first? Absolutely. But do I try to learn every person's name on the tour? Also, absolutely. You know, so wow, that's huge. Yeah, you just need to adjust. Know. Especially when you're when you're locked into a bubble together, it would be really embarrassing to point out after 40 days, you're like, I don't even know your name. That right. would be that would yeah, be tough. Yeah, this is <laughs> this new bubble is incredible because it is making people work harder and stronger together, and you just expect more. You know, the first day we got back together, and you know, September, somebody threw some attitude the first day behind a truck, and I just kind of stopped there, but I said, okay, guys, what is that? Like, why? We haven't where I go. I said to the guy, I said, dude, when was the last time we did a gig? He's like six months ago. I go, so you're going to start off with a bad attitude. I'm like, this isn't yesteryears. It's like, you should be grateful and thankful that we're working, man. It's like, if you don't want to be and don't want to be happy, then please go. But if you're going to stay here, let's be stoked. We're here. Let's be grateful. Let's be thankful. Cause I can think of at least a hundred guys and in, in gals in every position that want to be here right now. So, Yeah. Uh, so you've got a core group of 40 in the bubble and then you have to expand for new year's Eve, right. To, to 90. Yeah. So you've got two different camps that you have to meld together. Yep. yep. Anytime we add somebody new um, it's a 72 hour process where we PCR, which is a long form to see if you've had it, what's left in your system. Boo, 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 boo. Um, and then you have to take rapid tests for a couple of days to prove that that PCR in fact was right. And then soon as after about 72 hours, then we start bringing people in. So for New Year's, for instance, we, we had our first loading day on the 23rd. I just was on top of a building, so I had to get some gear up early. That part of the local crew team um, from Boxer and my team had to join forces. So like the 21st, 20th, they started taking the PCRs and rolling into us. Then we worked 23rd, took 24 and 25 off then retested to come back in and make sure we're all good and then integrated both the crews together. And then leading up to that day, we had about 150 people on site that day, um, just with all the working crew, Never mind all the hotel staff and security and everybody else we were doing testing on. Anybody that gets near our bubble gets tested. Wow. That is a lot of logistics to, to take, to keep track of. Yeah. We ended up that week of the show with six COVID officers overseeing everything and you know um it's a it's a whole new world with that you know these are the reasons though why we're, we can't really go back to full arena touring until we have a little bit bigger grip on it it will be too expensive yeah so i can only imagine the the, you know, the a-list players like the biebers and the gagas and stuff they can kind of manage stuff like this because they've got uh, that money to to work around some of the smaller tours like they don't they, they can't even, you know, there's no margin of error for a COVID officer. I can only imagine it's going to be take even longer for the 15 person tours to, to get back up and running. You know, I've looked at it a couple of different ways and it really comes down to 
costs and how we're going to split that across between the agents, the promoters, the band, you know, commissions, et cetera, et cetera. I think there are ways to do it. And the one okay. thing that we have seen is that the costs for these tests have dramatically decreased because like the vaccination, you know, we have two that are, are here now approved in America, but there's like seven floating around the world. You know, some they've tried in, in Africa, China's got two or three extra ones, you know, Russia and Poland and the Eastern Bloc have a couple that we don't have here, you know, everything's decreasing in cost. So I would have, I would have agreed with that thought, Chris, like last month, but now okay. that we're really seeing costs come down, I think if like a production manager or your stage manager or your head of backline, anybody, pick a him or her, anywhere on your, say it is a 15 person crew, one truck, two buses for exist for, you know, for argument's sake. Okay. If you go in and roll that person into being your tester or whatever, which you can easily get your paperwork for, and there's plenty of places to do it and drive with the cost down. If you split those costs across three or four people, you know, our entities, agent, promoter, band, et cetera. Okay. I do believe those smaller tours can work, you know, because the testing has come down enough. And in a shed, an outdoor environment, you can do 50% tickets, you know, and, and sheds were always set up. They don't need a sell out of shed for everybody to make money. You know, sheds are there for that reason. The, the infrastructure is, you know, way more involved. A lot of them have sound already. A lot of them have pre-rigging. A lot of them, you know, it's just an easier environment, a cheaper environment than an arena or a stadium. So I, I think actually at this point that you'll be able to do stuff. Um, you just have to figure it out and do it right and talk to the people that have already done it instead of hearsay or guessing. And you said earlier about YouTube and all that. I don't do any of that. So I'm not sure what everybody's saying over there, but there are ways to do it. If you stop and listen to the pros and find out, I'm not calling me a pro. I'm talking about the doctors and scientists right. we listen yep. to that we found ways to do it. So I, I, I think shed tours should be a bit of a startup and should be able to work. Right on. This is uh, this is giving me renewed hope that, that the show can go on and we can, uh, as you said, Brody through it. Yeah, uh, I, the, the bigger bands, you know, which you think would have the money and they do, that doesn't really even matter when you're in a situation that you need to get insured and get your promoters on board with big acts who need to sell out 100% in order to pay for their large scale productions. You know, a Justin Bieber is going to go out way later than a mid-level that can go into sheds. No one can afford Justin or Taylor or The Weeknd or any of them. You name whatever artists you love um, into an arena and to have more control over the vaccinations and being able to put 100% of people into a building. It's just mm -hmm. not cost effective. It's, it's, I think people talking about doing arena shows before we have control over this is, I, I, I just don't see that. Yeah. So a lot of the attention has been shifting from testing to vaccinating. Are you going to be, are you going to have to be in charge of that when it comes time to your crew to get the shots as well? You know, vaccinations have been a worldwide argument for a long time. You know, it's on both sides of the aisle. You know, yeah. you get as political, non-political you want on this. Some people believe in vaccinations, some don't. And that's their beliefs. Yeah. You know, um, I feel that I will get vaccinated when it's my turn. I'm not going to jump the queue like I see some people doing. But um, I think with this, it's enough that it will. And I think what we'll end up doing is it will be like the flu shot. We'll end up getting a shot for this every year, too, or one form or another. 
you know. Um, I choose right. not to get the flu vaccination just because I, my, I'm a cockroach. I'm a roadie. I've been able to fight through it. But yeah. with COVID, yeah. I think it's new enough that, yeah, I probably will get it when it's my turn. And I probably will, you know, I think I'll be surprised a couple of the larger promoting companies and insurance companies and insure these shows will want us all vaccinated. I, I think they're within their legal rights to, to make it uh, a mandatory or a yeah. compulsory obligatory to just say, right. Hey, no, if you want to work on my show on my venue and my right. and cough on my people, then you better yeah. be vaccinated. I mean, I'll be, I don't, I don't let the non-maskers work with me right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm in a studio right now. I've emptied it. That's why I'm out of my mask. Maybe 15 minutes. So I have to put my mask on for 10 minutes or go outside. Um, but otherwise I sit at my computer with my mask on all day. And I take it off when I take breaks outside. And if a crew member walks up that's new to us or what have you, they're no masker, they're no worker. You know what I mean? It's like we have to help each other get through this. And sorry, putting a piece of cloth on my face. I'm still an American. I'm still this whole thing about not wearing a mask or whatever. <laughs> fuck off. You know what I yeah. mean? It's, if you have that small of like I love this country. I'm not just going to run away from it, you know, but I'm going to do whatever we can to make it healthy and make it right. If I can help people out by wearing a mask, then I'm going to wear a fucking mask. Yeah, I didn't do it because any politician asked me to do it. I did it because my wife asked me to do it because she, Correct. you know, because a doctor asked her to do it. So yeah, yeah my I, wife has severe Crohn's. If I bring if I bring COVID back, my wife probably won't be with us for very long. So of course I wear a mask, and everybody in this camp knows that, and they are strong about it, and they respect it. And I mean, we've we've got it dialed. Knock on wood, you know, and it's it's. You got to help each other. Like, what's the yeah. point of arguing about wearing a mask? You can go home and sit in your backyard and not wear your mask. I'm down with that. But if you're here, let's wear a mask. I give you break times. Go outside. You know what? Like, nobody even argues about it anymore. We just, yeah, it's it's what we have, you know. And I I, I think after this, people are still going to wear their mask during flu season because why not? If you're out at the store and you don't want to get the flu, wear a mask while you're shopping. Who cares? You know? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that uh, people to a small degree in our industry and, and people outside of our industry don't as, as a whole don't get all together because if, if you or I test positive, we're not just out of work for the two week isolation period. We just lost that bubble. Like we don't get to get yep. in to that bubble. Like we're out for yep. six months, seven months at a time. You know, it's like, Hey, yep. I'm sorry. You, you tested positive. You can't be here. You and have to go home I'm, and now I have to replace you. Yep. That's, and that's what I'm no so joke. protective of so many people. Like, We've been able to do this because we're protecting the artist too. He's the only one that's not replaceable. If he gets it, we're done. And that's everybody back out of work in this bubble again. And yeah. like the very first people were like, oh, Chris, you're being a little too serious here. You know, relax. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's have a meeting. Let's all sit down. Am I being too serious? But do you guys want to work? Yep. Because we want to work. Let's follow these rules that seem to be working for no matter where we grabbed all these rules. They seem to be working. We mask. We rapid test six days a week. We take the long form, you know, once a week minimum. You know, we make all of the shows we go and do. We do all of this, like, and it's working. So we're still working because it works. Uh, it must be so frustrating for somebody to, you know, from outside looking like, why are you being so serious? You've only had three cases. Right. But the, your only response is like, no, we've only had three cases because I'm so serious. Right. If I wasn't, if we had seven that's right. too many. And then we get shut yeah. down. 
Yeah, and, and, and it's four. And to me, that was too many, but we found out why that was happening. And all four of those were in basically a month period. And a lot of that, those people, you know, two of them didn't come back, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, fortunately, none of those were crew, you know, okay. because we're all very serious. It ended up being dancers, to be honest. Um, and no particular reason. It was just, you know, bad odds. But um, yeah, yeah. There's just ways to do it. You've been in the industry long enough that you've seen something like this not even be possible, where it was far more, when we were far more piratey, far more roadie, far more uh, unorganized. Uh, Would you say that the corporatization of the the entertainment industry is helping you now, or is it is it still a kind of a overly complicated? Man, that's that's a tough one with a lot a lot of things. I think when I first came into this as you know, sixteen year old lighting guy, there were no rules. Everybody was bullied. Everybody screamed. The production man was always complete asshole. Everything was bully, bully, bully. Do this, do that. Are oh, you you're a pussy or well, 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 whatever. You know, it was just like a manly man's world. You know, yeah. and I hated that. I was a deadhead. You know, so at first. <laughs> You know, I followed the dead around and grew pot. That's how I got in the music business. I'd look up, you know, my mom took me to show when I was 12 years old. And I looked up and saw the rigging in the air at the time. It looked like a spider web to me. And I'm like, I'm going to find out what all that shit is hanging in the air, you know? Uh-huh. And when I got into it to my mother's theaters, I mean, I was like blown away. But then I come out of the theater as a young teenager and these guys are yelling at me and calling me a dick and, faster quicker do this get up the ladder hang the light focus the light fucking run the forearm and these older dudes are standing around doing nothing but screaming at me doing blow so cool i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do blow and i'm gonna yell at you and all of a sudden i'm like whoa i'm all full of angst and fucking like whoa 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 and ted gardner who was you know phenomenal manager one of the guys started Lollapalooza. he's the one that on tool made me a production manager from a stage manager, I mean, from a lighting guy. And I was an LD back then, a Lit Rage, Tool, Prong, Tracy Chapman, tons of bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was more of that bully scene. And honestly, that's what I hate. It's one of the reasons I wanted to become a production manager. But I became one of those dickheads. It's definitely, it took me years to recover from that. But with the corporatization of it, with us realizing that that's just not appropriate behavior, and this is a multi-billion dollar with a B industry there's better and different ways to do it so the corporatization of america has made it easier for a person like me who did become that dick to kind of revert back to how i really believe in people and help people and take care of people because that that tough guy yelling at things gone the guys that are still doing it i feel bad for them their stress level has got to be tenfold like since i've relaxed it's so much better I love everybody that I work with. It's just a much better environment. So I think the corporate thing has made it cool. Are we hanging out with strippers and Heineken bottles and going crazy in the back of buses and all that? No. Do we go to the gyms now instead? Yeah. Do we, are we smarter about it? Are we eating better on the road? Yes. Is it still fucking awesome? Hell yeah. I see concerts 180 days a year. I'm with friends. I get to wear shorts. I don't have to wear a button down and I have a beautiful home. You know what I mean? So yep. I love the direction it's come and I regret some of those dark days, but it's, it is what it is. And this is where we're at. You know, I do wish the younger generations had the same work ethics as us back then, <laughs> but that's just doing a little more training. You know what I mean? <laughs>
that's that's just slightly different. Yeah, that's a double-edged sword there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, dude, that is that is a really good description of the of the arch there because I I'm just old enough to remember those guys and they, they, they would burn at both ends and then they would burn out so quickly and then they yeah. were out of the industry and that's yeah. just not an option anymore. No. And a few of them around are still so angry. I mean, one of the biggest guys, he told me like, I don't know, 20 years ago, Bratton, you're never going to be anything more than a fucking lighting guy. Blah, blah, blah. And now I just kind of watch him and feel bad for the dude. You know, it's just like, wow, why did you have to fucking hold me back? Like what I, I did absolutely nothing ever to that dude but he was just so i think they thought they were going to control the business forever you know and that they could shit on us as long as they wanted i mean i would have been very happy to stay a lighting guy but i got so sick of being belittled and shit on by my production managers i was like you know what i'm gonna take your job yeah Um, (laughs) like you said the 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 vibe comes from the top down and it it has to if it if the if the PM is a good guy making sure that nobody's yelling, then it's it's only going to trickle down. Goes down there. And you know what, Justin, one day I, I got caught by Justin yelling at one of my guys that's worked for me for like 20-something years, and it's more of a brotherhood there. It wasn't a like typical back-in-the-day, you know, grind. And he's like, oh, my God, come here. Why did you just yell at that guy? I'm like, no, dude, it wasn't actually like that, you know. But that even reminded me, other people look at that. So I, I shouldn't be fucking around with that in a public environment where the artists and other people are around because they don't know that I have a 20 plus relationship with that guy. They don't oh, know that yeah. two minutes later we're hugging and things are cool, you know? So it's maybe look at things a little bit differently. And as I become older, you know, I started as the youngest guy and now I'm one of the older guys, you know? Yeah. It's one of those brotherly love sort of things where you can, uh, I can, I can beat up my brother, but nobody else can. But if Correct. somebody were to look at me beating up my brother, it would look, it would look so violent. Right. You know? And you would look like the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and so you you live and learn. And um, I, I don't, man, I like the direction. I know COVID's here now. And we're all going to get through it. And I, I'm excited to get back to it, getting through it. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I uh, there's We've come a long way, and I'd like to keep it that way. Yeah. I definitely think that be, uh, a lot of the stuff that we've done during the pandemic is going to be, I think we're beyond pivot stage. I think we're sh- we've actually shifted now. I think a lot of the stuff that we've learned during the pandemic is going to apply to future touring. I agree. hundred percent. agree. I think people will be a lot healthier. Um, you know, I think the testing will probably be, you know, through, you know, a, a little while longer, but I don't think, I think after enough people vaccinated that too will go away, but I think people will be far more aware. I don't think we'll be as careless. <laughs> I think safety will be a huge thing when we start back up, you know, yep. just doing new year's, and I talked to that mainly just because that was actually a real full show. Um, what we did learn from then is everybody's completely 150% out of practice. Our normal motor skills are not what they are. Riggers bending over to pull up a two ton. They haven't done that. They haven't felt that in their calves and their legs forever. People tying knots, people tying and power, the, the, the speed of which the set was built and put up staging. And it was out of practice. So I, I just, hope for everybody's safety as we start coming back that people take safety as their first measure because we're not we're all out of practice i mean when we did the we make events and we lit the coliseum in the stadium here in la i dumped four flat pack lighting trucks and i felt like i've been run over and been on tour for six months 
know what I mean? <laughs> we usually dump 30 trucks in four hours. And this was like four <laughs> trucks in two days. Man, I felt, I felt my age then. But now that we've been working, we're getting back to it. But we did definitely see, without a doubt, that we need to go slow and take care of each other when we come back because our bodies do not, we don't have that auto memory anymore. We, you know, yeah. we don't go to bed, sleep for five hours, get back up, go do it again. You know what you're doing, go home, take a month break, go back out on another tour. We've stopped. We paused. It's a real pause and it's a reset. I think we all needed anyway, would be part of the silver lining. The industry yeah. was getting a little out of hand, moving a little too quickly too many people were getting in in positions that they weren't actually skilled at and people were, you know, there's some good things that have come out of this pause is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, you found, you found the few good things there. That's uh, those are all very valid. I also think that there's going to be a, an online element of every event from now on. I, I, I don't think that we're going to see sold out shows anymore. I think as soon as capacity is hit, I think we're going to be able to reach out and get some cameras in and uh, take a, a feed and I don't think 20,000 is going to be a sold out show anymore. I think they're going to open it up to everybody who else who can't travel to see the show. Uh, you think that's going to be, you think that's going to be around for a while? I, I definitely think some of that's going to stay. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff in the press these days, people asking questions where you go back in public, woo, 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 woo. And there's different opinions on that left, right and center, but they're just, there are going to be people that aren't going to go back into an arena or a stadium. And there's going to be stuff like that, what you said. And I think a lot of this online stuff will happen continually. And, you know, you've got a good idea. Maybe there is an online ticket for most shows, you know, maybe, maybe there is, you know, different ways of doing it as we come back. I think live events will come back huge because there's nothing yeah. better than getting a group of bet people together and sweating and dancing and rocking out and forgetting about your life for a couple hours. But there will yep. still be a lot of people that have been so dramatically affected by this that it will they'll be safer and they'll stand back and they will want to watch things online. And a lot of people like to just look at their cell phones and see their show and they've gotten used to it. And, you know, that's that yeah. is their live show. They don't know better. You know, I mean, yeah. this is going into a year now. Um, so I do think that there will be a cross of all of that coming together. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. For better or for worse, I think there's a lot of people even at the show watching the show through their phones, uh, watching it at home through their phones. Isn't uh, I'm sure they would uh, be ha more than happy to pay ten per you know ninety percent less to just watch the screen, watch the sh yeah. show through their phone. I mean, honestly, you know, when we watch the show, especially on a pub show like this, as soon as the lights go down, everybody's phone goes up. They're not staring at the stage; they're watching the through the screen. I mean, still yeah. a point where me and my partner, and I'm sure most designers these days. You design to this, you know, you hold up yourself when yep. you walk around the stage because so many people are going to be looking at the show that way instead of standing back and taking a bird's eye view. That's only 20% of the people. Most people in the building will still watch the show through their fucking phone, even though they're a hundred feet away from the artist. Yep. You know, it's wild. You, it's just, you and I have both in, been in the industry long enough to remember that that used to be so taboo. There was no recording of the show allowed. Now oh, we encourage yeah. it. Like, please, yeah. everybody record the show and send it as far out as possible. Yeah, I mean, as a deadhead, the dead always allowed the recording of it, so it's kind of cool to see everybody doing it now, but I'm sure you, <laughs> as well as me, I mean, how many artists have we been with that would not even walk on stage? You gotta put your phone away. You know, put yeah. your, you put, it, put your fucking phone away. You know, they used to rip kids apart from the stage for doing that. And now it's almost an insult if you don't get out your phone. 
Yeah. You know, so it's 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 such a different world. And uh, but I thought I think we adapted to it, and I think we'll come out of this with some good changes and some bad changes. So you you you're you would remember like the head the the Grateful Dead and even like widespread panic. They used to actually have to send out another power service for all the people recording the shows. And you, yeah, you know, these bridges. were these yeah. were, you know, amateur borderline professional recording people that are going to, they were going to make some money off this. Yeah, absolutely. The Grateful Dead had a taping area where they put a press bridge and you literally clip in, put in your XLR and record the sound mix. You know, that's called a board tape. We had board uh-huh. tapes and audience tapes. And those are the difference. If you were super cool or in with Healy at that time, that was before Derek Featherstone took over mixing it, but you'd get into the patch bay. And if not, then you were on the side. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's great. I think the more music shared, the more music's out there. I think it's, it's the only worldwide language all of us speak is music. We all get affected by it. Um, it used to be music in our faces, but we can't see our faces anymore. So you can't speak in smiles or frowns anymore. <laughs> so, you know, you got to rely on the music. So I love seeing things come together. I, I love seeing yeah. people starting working again. I think, you know, we're going to get there. We're going to get through it. This too will pass. And, uh, We'll all be back together with some, you know, new things happening and it will bring more safety to it. So it's right good on. for the audience and the, and the roadies. Cool. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. I know that you're having a busy day. I do want to end on one question. I think this is a fun one. Do you find it more important to be right or to be polite? Uh, let's say uh, you're having a discussion, you know, you're right. You know, you're not going to win. Is it better to just, be polite about it or do you want to, do you stick to your guns? Um, these days I play my ear on what it is. As long as I know the right thing will end up, I'd be as polite as I can, but I will never sacrifice my health, the health of my artists, the health of the crew, the health of all of us that are on the tour or a show. Like I said, when I saw that a particular award show here in LA, not doing the right things, mm-hmm. I just went to Justin and said, I'm not doing it and we shouldn't do it unless they do it right, because we all got to take care of each other. So some people took that as I was being right in an asshole. And some people thought I did it politely and did it right. You know, so I think there's a thin line there sometimes. Yeah. Usually if you're polite, you're going to win anyway. Like you, you do, <laughs> if you're polite, you can kind of work around if, if, yeah. if need be, you know what I mean? But normally I try to keep out of the politics and just try to stay by it. And that's why some people hate you and some people love you. You know, it's uh, everybody's going to look at it their way. I think everybody else's point of view comes back at you anyway. So I agree. I agree. Sometimes when you're right, people think you're not. Sometimes when you're being polite, they think you're being rude. So I, I get a lot more by not being rude anymore. Let me tell you that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to be. Yeah. Right on. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. I really appreciate it. I think a lot of people are going to be excited to hear uh, some, some rays of optimism here, uh, some very pragmatist optimism. I appreciate it anytime. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Thank you. 